Thank you all for being here this morning. We're especially thankful for our visitors who are making up the gap for some of our folks that are out this morning. And uh, I appreciate uh, Joseph and Jasmine for being here this morning. We were talking about their travel arrangements this weekend and how they were going to have to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to catch a plane to be back. And they said they wanted to fly back early so they could be here for worship this morning. And that's an encouragement to us all. Appreciate that. Uh, important to you. They, they said, and Joseph said, he said, we could worship down there, but we want to be back here. And so we're glad that they, they're with us. And it's an encouragement to be together. Well, when you experience certain things, those things can impact you for the rest of your life. Have you ever gotten food poisoning by eating a certain type of food and then you didn't want to have that food anymore? Our family cannot go through the drive through at Burger King because Nikki got sick on a Burger King hamburger one time years ago and we're forbidden from going to Burger King. It's one of those things. It's all right. You ever know somebody who went through the Great Depression and that person for the rest of their life were very frugal and made do with things because of they were that experience they had in the Great Depression? Maybe you know someone who fought in a war and the impacts of that stayed with them for the rest of their life. Things that we experience in our lives can stick with us many times throughout the rest of our life. The same is true for us spiritually. We've all committed sin. We've all experienced what a mess it's made of our lives. The hurt it causes others. The hurt it causes us. The guilt and shame associated with that sin. The fear of judgment that that sin brings. Sin is a curse, and we've all experienced it. But when you experience forgiveness of your sins, I'll tell you that that experience of having your sins forgiven should impact you forever. When you're freed from the burden of sin, it should change you. It should change the way you act, and the way that you live your life when you're forgiven. This morning, I want to talk about how forgiven people should act. Because I believe that when we experience forgiveness, it should change the way that we live our lives from here on out. This morning, let's look at how forgiven people should act. First, I want to tell you that forgiven people should always remember that they've been forgiven. Have you ever been saved from a life-threatening situation? Maybe it was cancer that you were cured of, or some type of traumatic experience that could have caused, your, caused you to lose your life, and you have been saved from that, been rescued for something that, from something that could have killed you. You remember that for the rest of your life. I saw a man a few weeks ago that he and I had been uh, a part of uh, when someone's life was potentially saved over 30 years ago, and he reminded me of that experience that we had had together about 30 years ago, because those type of things are memorable, and they impact us for the rest of our lives. Those are things we never forget. And so it is when we have been forgiven. Or at least it should be. We should remember that we have been forgiven. In Psalm 103, beginning of verse 10, 
Psalm 103, beginning of verse 10. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. God has taken our sins as far away from us when we're forgiven as you can take them. As far as the east is from the west, that's infinity, isn't it? You never get to the east. You never get to the west. You can always go a little farther. God has taken our sins that far away from us. And we need to remember that. God in His great and incredible mercy has forgiven us and removed our sins. But sometimes we forget. Sometimes we carry around the guilt of what we've done long after we've been forgiven from that sin, of that sin. We still can carry around the guilt that's associated with that after God has forgiven us. And we need to remember that we've been forgiven. And we don't have to carry that guilt around when we've been forgiven. God has taken that sin as far as the east is from the west. But someone might say, well, you don't know. That might be okay for your little bitty sin, but I've committed incredibly bad and wicked and dark sins. I'm going to live with that for the rest of my life. No. God has forgiven us of our sins when we were forgiven, no matter how bad they may be. Isaiah 1 verse 18 says, Come now, and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. doesn't matter what we've done. God can forgive us of those terrible aggressions and evils that we've done. God can forgive us. And God's forgiveness means that when we meet His terms of pardon, His forgiveness is complete and it is permanent. In Isaiah chapter 8, verse 12, Isaiah chapter 8, verse 12 says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their, iniqu and their lawlessness, lawless deeds I will remember no more. When God forgives, He doesn't remember anymore. He doesn't forgive like people forgive, unfortunately. God doesn't say that He'll forgive, and but really in His heart He doesn't. God doesn't say, yeah, I'll forgive you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember that. I'll forgive you, but I'll bring it up again later on. No, when God forgives, we're forgiven. And we need to remember that. It is gone in God's eyes when He forgives us. And the guilt that we feel as a result of that needs to be gone as well. God has forgiven us. Forgiven people should remember that they have been forgiven. Furthermore, forgiven people should remember the price that had to be paid for their forgiveness. The forgiveness wasn't a cheap thing. It was expensive. Have you ever been given something that was really nice or really expensive? Maybe it was some, from someone who you really loved, who really loved you, and gave you something on a special occasion that was expensive. The price that they paid for that gift made it that much more special, didn't it? And that much more meaningful. And so it is with the gift of forgiveness that God offers us. The gift was expensive. It cost Him dearly. And we need to understand that and we need to appreciate the forgiveness that he has given us. John chapter 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This gift costs God greatly. And those of us who have kids have a little, I don't think a full or complete picture even, but have a little bit of understanding of what God paid so that we could have the forgiveness that he offered us. And lest we get arrogant and think, well, there was something special about me that God would give his son for me. Lest we get arrogant and boastful. Romans chapter 5, beginning verse 6, brings us back down to earth and realize that it's not because of our greatness or because we're somehow special. We were in sin. We were wretched sinners, miserable sinners, and God still paid the price of His Son. In Romans chapter 5, beginning verse 6. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. It wasn't because we were special. It's because God's incredible love caused Him to pay this price for you and for me when we were terrible sinners. We always need to remember this cost. Furthermore, those who have been forgiven need to always remember their life in bondage to sin. How would you act if you had been captive and had been freed from captivity? Let's say that you went someplace, there were bad guys there, they caught you, they chained you up, and they threw you in a dungeon, and you were trapped in that dungeon. But somehow, you got freed from that dungeon, and you were allowed to escape. You think you'd go around those bad guys anymore? You'd run away, wouldn't you? And you'd stay as far away as you could. I'll tell you, when we were in sin, we were captive and held captive to sin. We were in bondage to sin, and we need to never forget how miserable and how terrible that existence was. In Romans chapter 6, beginning of verse 16. Notice Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death, or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you uh, presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you uh, have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death, but now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Paul is describing our life as those who were captive to sin. And the shameful things that we were doing when we were captive to sin. He says we're freed from that now. We need to remember what it was like when we were slaves of sin. And have no desire to ever go back there again. Our master was terrible when we were slaves of sin. Our master wanted to destroy us and make our lives miserable. Our master would ultimately cause us to be lost in hell for an eternity when we were slaves to sin. That was a miserable, terrible, horrible existence. And we need to remember what it was like when we were in bondage to sin. In Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, beginning verse 11. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Notice that description of what it was like before we became Christians. We were aliens... We were strangers. This is talking about the Gentiles, but it's pertinent to us today. We had no hope, and we were without God in the world. What a miserable and horrible existence. And we've been delivered from that. We have escaped because of God's mercy. And we need to never forget that. But sometimes we do, don't we? Sometimes we turn back to the sin that held us in captivity. Sometimes we turn back to the sin that made our lives so miserable. We go back. If we truly remember what it was like, we wouldn't go back, would we? In 2 Peter chapter 2. In 2 Peter chapter 2, look how ugly it is when we turn back. In 2 Peter chapter 2, beginning of verse 19. Talking about false teachers, while they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also is he brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness, than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. What an ugly thing. To have been delivered from sin. To be freed from that bondage. That vomit. That mire that we lived in. To be freed from that. And say, you know what? I think I'll go back for some more. Forgiven people need to never forget what life was like when we were in bondage to sin. Furthermore, forgiven people need to remember and understand the importance of growing spiritually. Have you ever known someone who was living a pretty unhealthy life and after having a close call with their health, they made drastic changes to improve their health? Maybe it was the guy who was a chain smoker and he had a heart attack and what did he do? He laid down the cigarettes, didn't he? He made a change because of that experience that he had. Or maybe it's the person who had 
diabetes, who had lived an unhealthy life and had gotten diabetes by the way that they lived and the way that they were inactive. And they got diabetes and they made up their mind they're going to start eating healthy and start exercising. They made a change. I want to tell you, when we've been freed from the bondage of sin, when we've been forgiven, it ought to promote a change in our lives as well. We were on a path that led straight to hell. And we were delivered from that. And as a result, this deliverance ought to cause us to live a life that's devoted to growing spiritually. That's what 2 Peter chapter 1 says. 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning of verse 5. Talks about the things that we need to be working on as we try to grow spiritually. And we're trying to grow spiritually, it says, because we've been forgiven of our sins. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning of verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice this. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things you will never stumble. For so an interest will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Peter says you need to be growing and growing, and if you'll do these things you won't fall back into sin. But if you're not committed to growing, you've forgotten that you used to be a sinner and you've been cleansed from those sins and you're not being concerned about growing spiritually. Peter says if you remember that you've been forgiven, that will promote you and urge you on to grow spiritually. Because we don't want to go back to a life of sin. It's scary and it's frightening to think that we could go back to that life of bondage because we remember how bad it was. Peter says if you don't want to do that, if you don't want to go back there, if you've enjoyed forgiveness and you realize what it's like to be freed from those sins, then that ought to urge you to be growing spiritually. You know, sometimes we think about how bad it was in sin. And we might say things like, well, I hope I never go back there again. You know what? You never have to go back there again. Peter tells us how we can make sure that we never do go back there again. It's if we'll be committed to growing spiritually, we'll never ever have to be worried about going back to that bondage of sin. If these things are in you and abound, you'll never stumble. If we're growing like we should, it'll keep us from the sin that we've been delivered from. We need to never forget that. It's not going to happen without effort, though. We're going to have to be committed to growing spiritually. And if we will, then we can be freed permanently from that bondage of sin. I'll tell you something else that those who are forgiven should do, and that is they should extend forgiveness to others. There's a real danger that we face as forgiven Christians. When we understand the benefit of being forgiven, when we understand the need for forgiveness, many times that doesn't translate into imparting forgiveness to others. There's a real danger. For those who are forgiven, to not forgive themselves. And Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 18. In Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 23, Jesus gave a parable here 
that perhaps has been indicative of us at times. Matthew 18, beginning of verse 23. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had and that payment be made. There, the servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, Have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not but went and threw, himself in, uh, threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. In this parable, the one man owed a debt he could never repay. And that represents the debt that we owe God, each of us individually. And the master forgave him, representing God forgiving us. And then that man had the nerve to go to his fellow man who owed him a pittance compared to what he had owed his master and demanding that he be paid back instead of forgiving him. God has forgiven us abundantly. Forgiven people must forgive others if they want to be pleasing to God. And we get all worked up about how someone treated us or didn't treat us. We get all in a lather thinking, how dare they act that way towards me? And when they ask forgiveness, we're unwilling to forgive them. We're unwilling to show them the mercy that we've been shown. Forgiven people cannot act that way. And finally, this morning, forgiven people should want others to enjoy the same forgiveness that they've enjoyed. Forgiven people who realize that they've been forgiven and that they don't have to carry around the guilt of their sin any longer. Forgiven people who understand the great price that God paid so they can enjoy the blessing of forgiveness. Forgiven people who remember how miserable life is when they're uh, living a life of bondage to sin. Forgiven people who are striving to grow spiritually and enjoy the blessings that God has planned for them as forgiven people. Those forgiven people should want others to enjoy that blessing as well. Paul had that attitude towards his brethren in Romans chapter 9, beginning of verse 1. Paul said, I tell the truth in Christ, I'm not lying, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit, that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, for my countrymen according to the flesh. Paul wanted his Jewish brethren to enjoy the forgiveness that he enjoyed. He wanted them to enjoy the salvation that he enjoyed in Christ. And I want to tell you, if we understand the blessing of forgiveness at salvation, 
then it ought to be our heart's desire that others enjoy this as well. That was Paul's attitude. It needs to be ours as well. And that's going to motivate us, brethren, to be sharing the gospel with others, to be looking for opportunities to share the gospel with others and the fact that they can be forgiven and enjoy God's salvation as well. In Acts chapter 4, in Acts chapter 4, beginning of verse 15, the apostles are in trouble for preaching the gospel and notice their attitude towards it. In Acts 4, verse 15, but when they commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves saying, what shall we do for these to these men? For indeed that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it, but so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Peter and John said, We're not going to listen to you. Because we've experienced and we've seen the salvation that God has offered through Christ. And we can't keep our mouth shut. And forgiven people who have enjoyed the forgiveness that God offers them through His Son should have the same attitude. We want others to enjoy that same forgiveness. When you go through things in life, it changes you forever. And enjoying salvation from God will change us forever. It's going to change the way that we act. Has it changed you? Are you enjoying the forgiveness that God has offered through His Son? If you're not, if you're not living like you should, if you've not submitted to God, there's no better time than right now. And if there's anything we can do to help you, will you let us know while we stand, while we sing number 284.